Welcome to Ravel, a roundtable show about how faith gets complex with the vast amount of information at our fingertips. For some people, this complexity has caused the unraveling of their faith, and for other people, it's been liberating. Take us, for example. I'm Stephen. I'm Josh. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of the American Christian spectrum, and as some of our beliefs migrate, we still feel like our theology is in process. Theology always has fundamentally been, and will always be, an exploratory dialogue. That alone is proof that faith raveling doesn't have to be a crisis, even if it feels like it. We don't have all the answers, so we want to use this show to model what it can look like to genuinely sort through beliefs in real time. So share a drink with us as we pull on the thread of our own pressing questions. Thanks for listening. Hello, hello, hello. 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 Uh, what are y'all drinking this fine evening? I am drinking my favorite Tetley British Blend tea. Oh, got you thinking about it last episode, did I? You did. You wow. inspired Caffeine me. Wow, this late, too. That's impressive. It's brave. I know. It's going to kick my butt later on. But you know what? Y'all only live once. YOLO. <laughs> you got time this evening, right? Oh, my God. That was last episode. I am drinking tea as well, but I'm drinking Tension Tamer. I'm dr- I like doing a double bag of it because I do like that stronger taste. And this isn't a black tea. It's uh, I was going to call it a gray tea, but that's not the category. But it's like chamomile, minty etc and it's delicious but i do like the strong taste of it it's great Mm. i am taking my whole body on a memory journey uh to the isle (laughs) to the isle of jura where i bought this delightful dram of 10 year old jura distilled whiskey finished in a sherry cask oh boy friends (laughs) that good huh i liked whiskey before i went to scotland i love whiskey now Excellent choice. Uh, um, yeah, it's excellent. Mm-hmm. So this week, as we all know, we have a question from one of our beloved patrons. Shout out to Courtney and also shout out to our other patrons, including Michaela, our newest patron. Thank you for buying our drinks this week. Beep, 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 beep. Super appreciate you. And thank you for supporting us. We, we really appreciate it. We have an incoming voicemail from our dear friend from the Patreon, Courtney, who has inspired a number of episodes. First one that comes to mind is the problems we have with suffering. I believe that was in the 70s. Mm-hmm. I personally think Back that was in the a 70s episode. Yeah. Back in the 70s, I remember. But I believe Stephen has a bit of a head start on us because I, if I paid attention in the chat today, this question kind of derived from the Ravel Collective event they did on Patreon uh, this last week. Yeah. So I'm, I don't really know what's coming, but I think Steven knows what's coming. Steven, I sure ha- Steven's in the know. Josh and I are not. Yeah. And I just want to say thank you, Courtney, for being so supportive and like doing that Ravel Collective thing. That was something that was kind of born as her idea in our Patreon. And we were like, yeah, if you want to create space and like write some things that feel like sermons and just have thoughts like Courtney, you should absolutely do that. And we've just kind of created this like cool round table discussion event that was just kind of born out of what we do on the podcast, but not really what we do on the podcast. And it's delightful. So thank you to Courtney. Thank you to everyone in the discord who makes that place like a real place on the internet. That is just a delight to be. It's amazing. 
Thank you for taking the time to be delightful people in life giving. All right, here we go. We got this from Courtney. Let's get after it. Hey guys, it's Courtney. I am back again. I just had some thoughts on inspiration. And as a pastor, when I was writing sermons, I would have this gut feeling or instinct or something. I'm not sure what to call it now, but at the time I called it this like Holy Spirit driven need almost to share something. And it was like something outside of me was had been placed inside of my brain and needed to come out and it needed to be shared. And it was almost divinely inspired. And not all of my sermons were that way, but a lot of them were, especially something that I was really passionate about. And I've just been trying to wrap my mind around what is that thing? Where does that come from? And if we are in a world where there is no divine, then what is that? Where does that inspiration come from? And I do believe that there is a creative inspiration. And artists talk about this, too, of I just saw this thing that I, and it needed to come out. But it necessarily it wasn't necessarily mine. It wasn't necessarily something that I came up with or thought of. Is this just like our subconscious coming to the conscious level? Is there some sort of is it the universe that's inspiring us? Is it something entirely different? Is it just like a misfiring of pathways? I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? And if it's not divine inspiration, what is it? Or can it still be divine even if we don't believe in God? <laughs> That's what I got. Thanks, guys. Oh, my gosh. I love that question. Aren't you stoked? Are you kidding I me? Am, I am actually fucking stoked to talk about this. <laughs> I am. I, I've, if, I if you, fear yeah. that I will hog the mic on this episode. Yeah, if you after didn't it notice... Came. Josh is really excited about this episode. Feeling inspired, we could say. He gave a little squeal. Yeah. That, <laughs> like He's like a child on Christmas morning about to tear open his gifts. He's just so excited. Okay, so I feel like that is part of it, though, right? Like, part yeah. of it is the like, the, like, relating to something and being excited about it, or, like, you know you know something about it, and you, like like want to show off maybe a little bit. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. And I think that that definitely happens in the church world, right? Oh no, not at all. What? <laughs> no, you never. You're, <laughs> you're telling me that there's motivations for starting a podcast other than being stoked on it <laughs> and being Theo bros about it. Yeah, that is that is a stereotype for a reason. I mean, it's us. We're the problem. It's us. Hi, it's me. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've definitely like been in some charismatic circles growing up, and I have definitely felt that feeling. I know exactly what she's talking about. I haven't felt that on a pastoral level. So, Emily, I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on that a whole thing. But I've I've definitely felt that in a like I'm praying for giving a prophetic word etc hmm. and i i have thoughts i have some uh hypotheses about the psychology of all of this but I'll maybe save that for a second so i'm not just 
putting it all out there, but I've, I've definitely been there um, where you're like in those moments and you're like, oh, like th- this has to be God. Like this is just like, th- there's this like inertia to like push this out of my mouth. And I feel that like bubbling up inside of me. And I think that especially in charismatic circles, and I'm sure this happens other places too, but especially in like some charismatic Pentecostal circles, there is this interpretation that that is God and that is the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. driving you to speak. Mm-hmm. Which I think is an interesting interpretation. I'm not, I don't think I agree with that anymore. In fact, I'm just going to say I don't agree with that anymore. <laughs> yeah. But I also don't think that's like wrong. Mm-hmm. Question mark. Yeah. Didn't you like, love Courtney's question at the end of like, could that be divine even if we don't believe in a God? Oh, what a cool question. Yeah. That's a great question. Emily, where are you at? How does this question inspire you? I. I'm right in the same fields as Courtney, as mm. someone who prepares sermons, even for Bible studies and pastoral care. There is something that is like within me, but also outside of me that's nudging and then gently pulling. And then eventually it's just like body slamming me spiritually to be like, you need to share this in whatever capacity you feel you can share it, whether that's through a sermon or like one-on-one, if like an analogy or something just like pops into my brain, it's like, (gasps) I have to share this before I forget it because it's so good. And once it's out in the universe, then it's out there. And yeah, it's kind of hard to explain sometimes. It's like this deep, spiritually ingrained tugging on like my heart and soul and mind string that is saying Mm. this can be expressed in an incredible way it's like god is saying i want to see how you express it and it can be expressed by someone else in another creative way there's no like one way which i love that idea and i never run out of things to preach about which is what i love about my job is There's always something happening, so there's always something new to be shared, and there's always something new that can be shared creatively, whether it's through song, poetry, art, music, dance, you name it, like Mm -hmm. mixed media, whatever, like even in the art firms that I don't participate in, I could still do it, and (laughs) there's no cap on creativity. And I think that's a gift from the divine. Mm. And if you don't believe in the divine, then there's still no cap on creativity. I don't think it's just a divine thing. I think it's a divine thing and. And that is more welcoming than just giving God the trademark of creativity. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There there can be an edge to that. I think I experience that a lot, especially in worship leading in a a past Christian life of mine where it was kind of expected that if you were a talented musician helping to facilitate musical worship at church, it was kind of expected that you would have this element of stuffed down humility of like, oh man, it's not me. God gave me the talent or like all glory to God. And I I think there's a way that that taps into something good for the ego to understand that 
like, no, man, I'm just tapping into something. But at the same time, I think that kind of downplays like what that inspiration is. Um, it's like that inspiration wanted to come out somewhere and it chose you. So you shouldn't downplay that either. So uh, Emily, when you say that you think that's divine, um, I want to ask this gently because <laughs> I've met people who have not handled this gently and I don't expect you to handle it anywhere, anyway else. But um, when you say you think it's divine, you're not necessarily coming at it from a place of like, uh, like quite a, like me, for instance, like I make a song or like get inspired and start a new podcast or something like that. You're not like in the back of your mind being like, yeah, that's God's hand in Steven's life. Or are you? That's a really bad way of asking the question. Well, you're not going to like my answer, but how am I to say that? Like, I don't know how God is working in mm. your life, even if you're not a Christian. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, that's not saying that God is like magically pulling these puppet strings for you as an atheist to then like suddenly come to the realization that God is real and you were wrong. Like, I don't believe that at all. No, heavens no. But like, I think God is still a part of your life mm. just in a different way. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah. One thing I hear Emily saying, like, not through her words, but I, I hear her implying this and correct me if I'm wrong, but. What, what I'm hearing you say is that you believe that because of your theology, creativity is therefore by God and that like, like, I think there's a lot of theology about God and creativity. And like, I remember we talked about that all the time in ministry school and like how God wants us to be creative and like being creative is part of being Christ-like and being a Christian and like God calls us to art and creativity. And I think there's some like really beautiful theology there. And so what I hear you saying is because God, therefore creativity, but that someone does not need to like being a Christian is not the prerequisite of creativity, but like, because of your theology, you see the interaction of God in the universe as creativity, hmm. something like that. Yeah. Like regardless, if you're a Christian, everyone has the capacity of being creative and you don't have to believe in God to see that it's a gift for everyone. Yeah. Like, just because I believe it's a gift from God, that doesn't mean everyone else who doesn't believe it, well, then they're not really truly creative, you know? It No, that... Well, I always thought it was weird when someone Christian or not, like, acted like they weren't creative. Like, when some... Like, Stephen, I think you just mentioned it. Like, when someone's I like, hear oh, that I'm all just the time. tapping into this. Or like, oh, no, it wasn't me. It was just God. Like, that's just... That's such bullshit. Like, that's such, like, a downplaying of, like, the human experience and... Even like whether you're theologizing or not, like I feel like that just doesn't fit with the experience of being creative. But to Courtney's yeah. question, like, well, what the fuck is it then? Like, why does mm -hmm. it feel like it's coming from nowhere mm -hmm. and also inside of you? And like, which is a very a real feeling. Yeah. It's a very yeah. real feeling. I have a hypothesis. Oh, share away. Shoot. Here's my hypothesis. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say this up front first. There's only one other place that I have experienced that like inspiration to like suddenly like I have to say this out loud. I have to. And it was in a non-religious context. Like cool. This, so this is therefore this is the only place that I've experienced this very specifically non-religiously. Like I think all of the other times 
it's been like, a, I have to talk to this person about God, or I have to tell this person this specific thing that I think is true, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. shape that is. So this is the only example that I have that in a context that I felt that non-religiously. So my, my artist friend, I don't think it's an accident that he's an artist. And this is the example. He started hosting this thing that he called Story Night in Billings, Montana, partially inspired by the radio program, The Moth, if you've ever listened to The Moth, oh, which mm-hmm. is very like, uh, staged is the wrong word, but like, uh, like you have to apply to be on The Moth. You have to like submit your story to be told and you can tell it like through an approval process. Um, so like in combination of like being inspired by The Moth and also going to Alcoholics Anonymous with his relative as a supporter, he was struck by the idea of like storytelling and how unless you're a pastor or an alcoholic, you don't have many opportunities to captivate an audience mm. and have people listen to you and know that they will listen to you. And I actually think that's pretty profound. Um, so he started hosting this story night and it, it was basically open mic stories. And I loved the way that he ran it because it was very like, like one story would happen at a time. He would kind of host and facilitate and give some like very loose guidelines. Um, but it was never like, Hey everybody this month, we're only going to be talking about stories about ghosts. Cause it's October. Like it was, it was never like that. It was always like, he would give a very loose general prompt and then the night would just unfold. And the, the rule kind of was as you feel inspired to tell a story, raise your hand at the next opportunity and you'll have your turn. Like you might be after the next person, but like, like you can, you can have your turn telling a story like short or long or, you know, raucous or not. And several times going to that, I would have this feeling sometimes where like someone was telling a story and it wasn't just that like I was reminded of a story that was similar. It was like, oh my God, I have to tell this story. Like after theirs, like, of course I have to tell this story that happened to me. There's no future in which that doesn't happen kind of thing. That compelling pushing forward, I have to get this out of me right now. And I don't know if that's a common experience for artists or creative people in general. Like I think of myself as generally creative, but like that compelling push is like very unique. It's not the same push I get when I just want to be funny and absurd. And I like doing that. My hypothesis is that we are pushed to present people with things knowing that they will listen. Something along those lines. I think that it's very important that there is a social element tied into this question, pastor or not. And I don't think that that like invalidates this feeling. Like, of course we can talk about people's Mm. motives to like be heard Mm -hmm. and whatnot, or like to like almost self psychologize in front of people, like as a, Oh, there's like, there's like names for it in clinical counseling, but like basically to like trauma dump on people like, like that, that's a whole thing too. But I think like, regardless of those, I think that, like we have this very deep feeling to be heard. And I would argue hmm. even in the instances where we are feeling religiously and spiritually compelled to speak, like I think AA is actually a great example where like people will feel compelled to speak and like tell their story and like tell their perspective. It's very arguable that that's like a spiritual setting, even though it's not religious. All, all of that. I'm 
<laughs> trying to wrap up <laughs> all of that to say i think that we like to be safely heard yeah i, I think mm. that's what i'm gonna say but i think mm. we just like to be safely heard and i think that that is very compelling yeah i have a question Mm-hmm. shoot what inspires you Ooh, that's such a fun question what doesn't inspire me nowadays are you kidding me i don't know that's why i asked steven so here's the thing is like josh i really think you're onto something I, and I, I think agree. The, I, agree. I think there's like an anthropology way of validated like, by you hearing me. Thank you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so so this is the thing is like, I think there's like an anthropologist way of looking at it, of being like, maybe, yeah, it's in your DNA uh, because mm. we were storytellers around campfires for thousands of years before we started farms and houses and. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Started doing society differently, you know, like that was like we're all bards at some level in our hearts, I think. Yeah. And I think everything can inspire you with, uh, with an open mind to it. I mean, like specifically we podcast and I, I don't think you guys would mind me tracing the history back to like we podcast today because three years ago I was listening to a bunch of podcasts and being like, I could do that. And I think it's just that attitude of like, Oh, I could do that. Mm. That is at the root of so much of this. Like I'm listening to a bunch of podcasts of friends cutting up and people being interviewed and like, I want to answer those interview questions. So I start a podcast and then I, the first person I interview is my friend Josh. And then like 16 episodes later, I reconnect with my high school friend, Emily. And then like three weeks after I released that, I'm like, yeah, that was so good that I want to do that more. And then I just asked. And then we, mm. the three of us made a collective inspired decision to be like, yeah, we could do that. That sounds great. Actually, I believe um, my response was, and I quote, heck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Thank you for correcting the record. You're welcome. I think, man, uh, okay, so another high I'm coming off of uh, is uh, a couple days ago, I went and saw the the Taylor Swift Airs Tour movie in IMAX. Oh my God, are you a Swifty? I'm a Swifty now, fam. Holy (laughs) God. I'm a Swiffer. I'm a Swiffer. Where I'm not that, quite on that level, but I'm there I, talk, in a way. Talk, I'm a about a, talk about a place. Talk about an experience. Like, I just saw the movie, right? I didn't even go to one of the concerts. But, like, talk about, like, flow state. Talk about this feeling of, like, wow, she did something incredible. And she's doing it, and she's at the top of her game. And you come out of that, like, not only did I have, like, most of every song of hers stuck in my head uh, for the last few days. But like I came out of that being like, yeah, uh, I want to make music again. And I like busted out my guitar amp and I have my electric guitar and a couple pedals like sitting right here. Like I sit in the same chair when I podcast and now when I play guitar and that feels like an inspiring place to sit in this armchair and make things. Things come out of this chair when I sit in it. That's so cool. That's inspiring. That's so flipping cool. Yeah. I, uh, it sounds so cheesy to be like, you can be inspired by anything in your life if you're open to it, but. But it's true. That's so freaking true. Just because it's cheesy doesn't negate it. <laughs> <sighs> I think that brings up a good distinction, um, maybe to critique my arguments a little bit. A good distinction Ooh. between like being inspired by the past. And being inspired by like creating something Mm. like I think sometimes the 
I mean, of course, you are like creating a story, right? Like just by remembering it. I think like it feels inherently good to remember something. Mm-hmm. Um, like going back to our episode about time and novelty and we're story based, etc. Time beings, yeah, yeah. But I, I do think it's really interesting when like we're inspired to do something, like mm-hmm. not just remember, but like to do something new in a fresh way. Isn't it? It's such an intoxicating feeling. To realize that you yes. can have a thought <laughs> and then you can make it reality as if you were just a wizard casting a spell. I'm a podcast wizard and I Boom. I started casting that spell three years ago. You're a wizard, Stephen. Right? Like, I don't know. It's so wild to me. Like, I've, I've had so many moments of inspiration. Like, I'm running a D&D campaign for my long running group. And we don't meet that often. Like we just played our first session in like three months uh, because famously D&D sessions are very hard to schedule and like get every, we're adults, right? We have shit going on. But when I am there and when we're telling a story together and when they're participating in a world that my brain made that I just wanted to make for the sake of making it. And then I invite people into it and then we throw little plastic rocks around and we have some of the most memorable times of our friendship together doing that that's so wild to me and like even with that D campaign i about halfway through i realized that i am so addicted to living in this world right now that uh, i'm basically using the D campaign to let my friends have input on the novel i will one day write using this story like i'm gonna write a novel and i'm putting that out in the in the universe right now with the story we make together. You heard it here, folks. Yeah, it's crazy. And like what inspired huh, this entire episode was we were meeting on the collective and I read a poem that I wrote. I'm a poet now because I had a moment. I had thoughts that coalesced in a moment and it felt like this poem just came erupting out of me. Like it demanded to be said. And I felt like this poem said, and I want you to put me down and like manifest me in the world. And then I did. He's a poet and he didn't even know it. And what's great. Thank you. <laughs> and what's crazy about it is like, I, like I've tried writing poems or song lyrics before and it just felt agonizing. And like, it just didn't feel like I was getting anywhere with it. And like, I was just like, I think part of it was like over analysis. I, I was like too resistant to the flow of it but like this i can concur i saw steven in ap english and some of those assignments i know just tortured him didn't it though yeah no yeah exactly yeah and yet i (laughs) i wrote a poem sitting at my desk at work and it took me 25 minutes to get the first draft done and it's good (laughs) that's the crazy thing is like it was just it was this moment of hey there's something out here that wants to be a thing and i think it's my job to do that intoxicating truly we just want to say how honored we are that you listen to ravel seriously there's a lot of great shows out there and we're grateful to be in your feed thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology if you want to support what we're doing the best way to help is to tell a friend about us We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. 
For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color. So, let me ask. I want to flip it back a little bit. Wait, to, we didn't hear Emily's question yet. Oh, oh, her, her I'm answer. so sorry. What inspires you, Emily? I didn't hear your answer, though, Josh. What? Stories. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, okay. Wait, what was Steven's answer? <laughs> Everything, man. A lot of things. Everything, um, man. Actually, what his answer was, what by? doesn't inspire me? That was his that answer. That was his answer. You're right. I am... We did talk about it a bit on the time episode, but I, I'm definitely inspired by thinking about life and what I do with it. And I think it can feel overwhelming <laughs> and it doesn't feel inspiring in the same way that I used to be like inspired and compelled to just like speak like theological, spiritual things to people. Like it doesn't feel like the same type of inspiring, mm. but like when I really like dig deep and I think about life. Mm. that feels inspiring to me like to mm. like to think about the things that i do and i want to do whether that's like the absurd and, and imaginative or like the things that i actually think are meaningful in the day-to-day whether i think about making a difference or mm. just having a good life mm. Mm. I, I do I, I think the many things are inspiring to me for sure but that like piece of like innovative creativity i think that I really am in, inspired by just like really absurd, silly things. Mm-hmm. Like I have a really silly idea that I will tell you guys later. That is the latest thing that I'm inspired by. And I think it's hysterical. Well, no, share it now because <laughs> Stephen shared about his book and his poem. Yeah. Okay. 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 You, uh, you got me. You got me good. So imagine if you will, for my fellow baristas out there in the room, which of which I know there are two with us right now imagine you walk into the cafe you're the first one in there you need to open up the shop turn on the music dial in the espresso the morning is good you haven't had your coffee yet so you reach for the handle of the portafilter you know the one it kind of looks like someone sawed off a bicycle handle and just stuck it on a machine but you go to you go to take it out to like turn to the left to take out the basket to fill with coffee and you grab the handle you turn it and the handle bends it flops on you because it is soft and bendy i give you the portaflopter <laughs> <laughs> my coworker has a 3d printer and he can print silicone and we're going to do it <laughs> that name can I can I just share? It's so good. Can I? You, you emotionally captured my oh, attention. Oh, I was like tracking so hard with this, and then and then you shared, then you shared the name oh. of this 
wonderful <laughs> invention. Imagine, imagine and a portafloster that you could hit like a doorstop. <laughs> imagine pranking your barista coworker with that because it looks completely normal when it's just sitting there, and then they go to grab it and it just like gives on them. Oh, I can't stop laughing. How hilarious is that? <laughs> Steven's dying. I hurt. I'm hurt. Pause while Steven <laughs> recuperates. <laughs> I don't like how emotionally invested I was in your storytelling. That You're was, welcome, that man. That was part I, of it, though, Emily. That, oh, my god. I am so into just, like, shit like that. Like... I think I actually think I might that oh. might be an original idea. I was Googling later to see if anybody's ever like thought of that. And I think I might be the first person. If I don't see you on the next season of oh. Shark Tank with this idea, Josh, I will I will hunt you down. Oh my okay? god. But I totally relate to Steven's like inspiration oh. angle of like when you like think of something or what like you know that you could do it, or you like see someone doing something poorly and you're like i know i could do that better yeah like i totally had that that's what pushed me over the edge when i started doing the billings beat back in montana i saw a montana satirical facebook page and i was like that's shit i could do so much better than that (laughs) so i did it and then you just did just to do it yeah and i'm like so inspired by that and i haven't figured out a way of doing that in a way that makes me money (laughs) yeah but like maybe that's part of it too. Like maybe like we do gain more like satisfaction and pleasure of the things that don't give us money. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out someday hmm. through science. Wow. Oh my gosh. My stomach hurts. I laugh so hard. <laughs> You're so welcome. Oh, the portaflopter. Are you kidding Isn't that a me? Great name. I didn't come up with the name, but I did. I did come up with the concept. <laughs> oh, that's exactly what I pictured too. Is a little doorstop like. <laughs> oh, Isn't it just so funny. joyful? That's yes, yes. Like you could not. If someone bought, even if they got pranked, you couldn't not laugh at that. Yeah, because it's so ridiculous. Emily, what inspires you? <laughs> Are you keeping your composure? Are you good? Uh, yeah. I'm getting it together. Okay. I just don't want you to bust another lung because you only have two. Yeah, my cheeks hurt. Um, Ow. <laughs> valid. What inspires me is nature for sure. Growing up in Montana, you know, of course, Laurel and Billings isn't the most beautiful thing to look at. However, you are in driving distance of beautiful, amazing landscapes and areas that just bring a tear to my eye and make me think bigger than myself, but also people, which may come across as a cheesy answer because I'm a pastor, mm. but I have been in, I have been in awe of people since I was little. Like I would go back. My mom, bless her, still has all the reports from like preschool of like assessments that were done on me, like getting ready for kindergarten. And it would say things like, Emily prefers to hang out with adults than children. Like, her intellect strives for something more than, like, where she's at right now. She's inspired by older people. And it's true. Old people, older people (laughs) inspire me. I studied gerontology as my emphasis in college because old people are fascinating Old people inspire me to live my life 
not in the same way that they have, right? Like either taking lessons from them or just changing how I go about my life, being creative, being different is inspiring to me. And I've recently discovered that children are downright the most creative people on the planet. You can be the most gifted musician, the most gifted artist, right? The most lyrically talented songwriter in the world. And children will stump you in a heartbeat because they have no bounds and no sense of judgment or fear with their creativity. They can color a coloring page however the fuck they want. (laughs) And they will tell you this amazing story of an astronaut that found its way on a cow farm on the moon. And then suddenly Spider-Man appears and saves all the cockroaches that were swarming the ice cream shop. Like you can't get any more creative than that. Mm. And it doesn't have to make sense. But at the same time, it makes the most sense. You hear all the pieces come together and you go, that tracks. I totally get it. And that's why I love children's time the most on Sunday mornings. Sermons, sure, they're great. The hymns, they're nice. We have talented musicians. Children's time will always be my favorite part of Sunday morning because those kids run up the aisle without a care in the world flashing everyone their underwear (laughs) will sit down and will ramble on about god knows what and in their brain it all makes sense and they need to express whatever it is they're expressing to me and they have such joy and Mm. that's what i want and that's what inspires me is like that joy and that pure untainted judgment of just doing and being and living in the world it's like if you're not inspired by that then I don't know what else. I don't know why else to be creative other than to be noticed or to be critiqued. Did, whoa, that's real. Holy shit. Wow, that came out of left field. That's so real. <laughs> didn't, didn't some famous guy once say that you got to be like children to enter the kingdom of heaven? Oh, yeah. What was that be guy's like name? Little, yeah, there's something. I just can't. I There's a dude. Yeah. I, I started laughing while you were talking because now I'm imagining a child running up your church pews and smacking someone in the face with a porta flopter. <laughs> <laughs> and you know which kid would do it? It would be my kid. Josh, you've tapped into being a child in the yeah. best way. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's exactly what yeah, it is. Yeah, maybe that is what it is. I don't know. That's exact. Are you kidding me? The porta flopter? <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. Like, the other day, Alex and I went to the movies, and we were watching some trailers for upcoming films, and it was like the same story of, oh, this ex-military dude is going to get in a car, and there's going to be some explosions, right? It was like, yeah, we've seen this story before. We want something creative. That's why stories like Harry Potter, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, uh, right? Some of those were just like, they were timeless, yeah, right? And, and you think about like, Disney even some of the great renaissance films that now they have Toy Story 5 in the making it's like no what leave it they do like it was it was great 
as it was, come up with something new. Mm. And that's why children are great, because there is always something new in the mind of a child. Boy, uh, so where does it come from? We've heard the God answer. Uh, Tyler in the Discord recommended I listen to a podcast from the Stuff They Don't Want You to Know show talking about the theory of the mind called the bicameral mind has a lot to do with subconscious like unconscious and conscious thought quite a lot of people have ideas about how that inspired basically religion in general i also think there's something to uh, have you guys read the book um from elizabeth gilbert big magic yes no so 10 out of 10 would recommend i loved it i have read it three times now. I've read it every year since 2020. And it gives me a, this is a whole, just like a curveball, but it gives me a vibe of like panpsychism of like, there are things out there. Like we could call them spirits or the muses, right. Or fairies or something like that. But we could also just say that because we are of the universe that we in some ways are tapped into the universe that we're not quite conscious of or like we're not quite aware of because we don't see like our like tethers to something non-physical or at least not visible because uh in big magic she talks about this idea of like have you ever had an idea and not at you for a really long time and you felt like it was yours to do but for some reason or another you stuffed it down and then like a month later somebody else came out with that book or somebody else like released the podcast conversation that you thought you should have, but for some reason you avoided it. And one of, one of her thoughts in the book is like, yeah, the thought moved on. It had to find another conduit to be born because you were too resistant to it or you weren't. I do not buy that at all. No, no. I think it's way too close to, well, if you won't go to this country, God's going to find somebody else who will go. Oh, I did Mm. not hear it that way. Yeah. That's the way I hear it. I think it's, I, I see what people are recognizing like in the phenomena, but like I, my interpretation is more like, I think most ideas that occur, if not all of them are just inevitable because logic, like of course, hmm. someone at some point is going to come up with the portaflopter. In fact, multiple <laughs> people probably will, but like the, like because of like, like we were talking about time and like how we didn't really dig into the fact that like, I don't think everybody has the the same 24 hours in a day, even though like we all have 24 hours. But like, I think ideas are so like potent and necessary in consciousness that I think all ideas that happen will happen in multiple people. Like for a while I was keeping an eye, uh, like a inventions list. And like, I was really proud of the fact that I thought of the iPhone before the iPhone came out. But like (laughs) who else thought of that? You know what I mean? Like Apple, was the company that like actually made it happen, regardless of who <gasps> thought of it, so or who also thought of it separately. So more you know? than so more than just like the the thought is there. There's something of like a like a moxie to like oh, and I'll be the one that does it or like sure sure. But my family and I thought of Harry Potter world before the Wizarding World of Harry Potter was <gasps> a real thing. How, of course. How did you do no. that? We were on vacation. I can tell you the exact moment. We were eating breakfast at IHOP in Denver after a Cubs game. And 
we were all sitting there waiting for our food and we were talking about Harry Potter because later that day we were going to see one of the newer ones that was in the theaters. And we were sitting there like, wouldn't it be great if there was a theme park that was Harry Potter themed? And we're like, yeah, we could have like a ride where it's like Hagrid's ride. And there's like all these creatures and mystical animals. And we had all these ideas for Harry Potter world. And we, we didn't name it that. We had a different name for it. And I can't remember it off the top of my head. But then lo and behold, years later, guess what they motherfucking created? <laughs> Mind blown. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mind blown. Like... But Josh, you're saying that that is inevitable because Emily's family was also existing in a world where theme parks theme park existed, existed and Harry Potter, the story existed. Yeah. Okay. That's my interpretation. Sure. I don't want to discount that we will find out more about consciousness someday, but mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's as uh, embodied as the thought moving on to somebody else to have. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's too woo for you to think of it that way. It sounds too anthropomorphized. Yeah. So I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I can buy that. But I did have a question kind of buried in there that I didn't. Yeah. Sorry. Not to just dog on you. I just. Well, <laughs> but I didn't phrase it as a question. Uh, I guess the, the, the first question I have is, and I don't want this to sound reductive. I'm not saying like X equals Y in this moment. But do you think that at least an element to what we call anxiety is misdirected inspiration? Is it like the same energy, but like negative or is it the same energy going the wrong direction? Cause I, th- I think there's something to that. I think like there are some like somatic elements of when I'm feeling particularly anxious that match when I'm feeling the juice, when I'm like mm. feeling inspired, elevated heart rate is the easy one. Right. But I, I wonder if they're related in some way. I'm going to have to think on that. I feel like I don't have a good answer for that. Okay. But I'm going to think on that some more. That's interesting. Second question that I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying we have to close now, but this is going to be my last question. Um, do you think the entire Bible was written under this, under the influence of the kind of inspiration we've been talking about? Ooh. Yes. All of it, you think? I think that, like, not just to, like, philosophize and uphold writing, but, like, why do you write something unless you're inspired to write it down? I mean, in a way, I mean, like, I write emails because I have to because it's my job. But g- good Lord, can they yeah, suck it out? Yeah, but of I me? don't think, I think that that's so new <laughs> in, like, the, the time of writing. Oh, okay. You're saying, like, like, parchment barely exists. It takes time to carve into tablets. Yeah, like. Why would you take the time to do that if you weren't? Like, that's always been the question of, like, like the anthropology of art, like the, like looking back on how time staking it would have been to find materials and dyes that would have allowed cave art was like mm. not an accident. That would have taken so much like trial and error to do to mm. make it last thousands of years. Like that's wild. And obviously like they didn't know it would last that long, but like they knew it would last. And like, I think that like there's something similar about writing and like, let alone writing a cultural religious narrative. Like, I think it's so inspired. I don't know. I I don't feel confident at all about saying that I think it's more inspired than other writing, Mm -hmm. which is also weird to say, because like, I don't think I will ever look at any religious text the same way that I look at the Bible because it was 
it's been a part of my story too. So mm-hmm. like, therefore it's the stories that are ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. But my answer is definitely not like <laughs> the typical like Christian view of inspiration. <laughs> but like, I think that like in the sense of like how we're talking about creativity and like the compelling nature of like, yeah, I have to do this. I think it's absolutely inspired. That Yeah. That's why I phrased it the way I did is like, mm-hmm. was the Bible written under the influence of the kind of inspiration we're talking about? Cause like, I think there's there's a view that comes from like inerrancy or even some people talk about inspiration of like words being dictated by God to the author's ear as like sometimes an internal voice, which is interesting when you think about it in terms of like the bicameral mind and like maybe that's some unconscious talking to you and not God or subconscious talking to you and not necessarily a being from without you. Maybe that's part of you. But the other reason I asked that question is I just find it so wild that someone was thus inspired to write such a snooze fest like Leviticus. <laughs> hey, don't be knocking on Leviticus. Fine numbers. Mm. <laughs> like I can understand when Ezekiel is having an, uh, like having a thought of like, and then the dry bones were walking or like <laughs> the crazy stuff. Um, I invite you to reread. Because oh. there are some fascinating things. That would be an interesting that, experiment for sure. Yeah, reread. Like we okay, in my one Bible study where we're doing cover to cover, we just read about Noah being drunk and naked, laying in his <laughs> lying in his nakedness, and how his son saw everything and he told his two older brothers and they covered him up facing the other way. And when he woke up, he then cursed Ham. But it was great because Everyone in my Bible study was like, wait, can I reread that, please? (laughs) Because they had never read that part of Genesis before. So don't knock the Bible, at least some of it, just yet. There are things that are strung throughout that probably have not been noticed in the same light before. So fair enough. Rebuke accepted. (laughs) Stephen, does that mean you think that in the sense that we're talking about inspiration in this conversation, do you also think that the Bible is an inspired work? Because, like, what else would it be? Like, if it's not, yeah. Like, I feel like our conversation has been so focused on like creativity and like the human drive for making something. I think we give it a bias, sure, and maybe we assume that it was inspired because it has lingered so long or like continued to be a cultural impact, like it has. Obviously, there's there's teaching quite literally about the inspiration of scripture, but also just like I think anthropologically, you 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 look at a book that has sustained itself this long, and uh, I'll put it this way: even if I think that some of it was written down because it was a scribe's job to write it down, and it wasn't necessarily like the scribe was under the influence of the muse in this sense, or like the inspiration that has us like vibrating about portafloppers even if the person who wrote it down originally wasn't inspired i think uh, in the same way i just i truly fundamentally believe that any anything can inspire anyone like i'll call it an inspired text in the sense that is it has inspired people for thousands of years and like continued to linger like that though i would agree with you josh that i like i'm at a place i find the bible more fascinating in this moment as like a an anthropological touch point in the same way I can be inspired 
by a standing stone in the middle of a marsh in Scotland that I visited, you know, like I don't put it on a tier above other inspired things that I think I've encountered like the Taylor Swift airs tour movie. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sorry if that sounds reductive to the Bible, but that's where I'm at with it right now. You know what? Men have been inspired by less. Like I'm going to, I'm going to push a little bit. Oh, I'm so ready for this. Do it. I don't think you can fully rank inspiration because as people we change so it would make sense if the things that inspire us change Mm. however at one point the bible was i would argue in steven's life at one point one of the biggest inspirations Mm -hmm. but you can't definitively rank it because it's ever-changing it was and you have to accept that reality Mm. it may not be now and that's okay, but you can't rank like I'm when I'm 100, if I live to be that old, I'm not going to look back and say, what was the most inspiring to me? Because what was inspiring to me 50 years ago wasn't maybe as inspiring or was more inspiring than 80 years ago. It changes. But the fact that it did inspire you is what matters. I think there is a question about the Bible and other holy texts in particular, what does it inspire in people? Because many a healthy and good critique of religion exists when holy texts are used to inspire war and genocide Uh and Mm -hmm. things like that. It's not all the fun, good feelings of the ecstatic and the the mystery, you know? Oh, yeah. I feel like we could easily do a whole episode on how... Like, just because someone feels compelled to do something does not mean they should. Like, I know I've... Amen. I mean, I've, I've, made, I've made mistakes along those lines before, too. Like, like religious or not. And, like... Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's a very good example when it comes to creativity. There's something uh, that you still filter through a sense of ethics or morality. And whether you claim that comes from the Bible or not, or another holy text or not. Like, if the Bible inspires you to... Uh, buy a gun and use it on other human beings. Don't. That's not life giving. That's not even in the same universe of like questioning. Like, well, Stephen wants to write a book. Should he write a book? <laughs> maybe. Right. He wants to, and maybe that's reason enough. But he wants to is not a good reason to use a gun in a shopping mall. So, like, there's still a there's still a framework <laughs> we're using. Life giving mm-hmm. is the one we choose unravel. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I feel like this could go on forever. Yeah. We got any creative ways to end the episode, Emily? I'm inspired by the words of Dr. Seuss. Ooh. Think left and think right and think low and think high. Oh, the things you can think up if only you try. Try.